running away or just chatting shit. Yeah, baby. Whether or not you ask to hear it. So now here we are, ready to start on this path together. I'm here with you, the night of choose in an interview. Whenever ding, bad, ding, bad, ding, ding, bad, ding, bad, ding, dong, evening, dragon, the night of Well, hello there. How are we? My name is Alice Vickery and you are listening to Dingbat Chat, the podcast where I, the very dingbat in question, go and try new experiences and then talk to not one, but two experts, yes, we've upped it now, about how I did, usually after it's gone a little bit wrong. But as we are in quarantine and this is the quarantine edition, I mean, I've, I've literally just sort of looked at what's interesting and gone, yes, <laughs> I'm going to talk about that this week. I hope you all enjoyed my bleach blonde hair. Wasn't that a thing? And um, it, it's gone silver. It's it, it looks like I've got an old lady blue rinse. I'm not mad about it. It's just not blonde. But listen, we'll take it as it comes. And internally, I'm feeling better anyway. So maybe that's what I needed to complete the full glow up. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I think Bex and Beth did a fantastic job. And of course, if you did enjoy it, then subscribe and rate and review because it helps other people find me and I might be able to help them glow up to that is the overall agenda with dingbat chat and with this week's episode in particular i think it's an important one to share i threw it together very very quickly i had to get it done because it's pride month and it's important to get it out there so without further ado i give you episode 10 pride and proud i'm coming up Mm-mm, i want the world to know to let it show so in light of everything that's happened recently covid black lives matter uh, the reconsideration of the gender recognition act pride is a really important event this year and it's one we can't celebrate physically in the way we normally would And also a combination of myself coming to the terms that, yes, I believe I am an ally, but have I actually done much to support that fact? No. Silence is compliance. That is a phrase that has hit me very, very hard. And I felt very ashamed in that regards when it comes to Black Lives Matter. And I will not let myself feel that way when it comes to pride, because I will not be silent. I will use Dingbat Chat as a platform for good. And in combination with all these very present and pressing issues, I also went to Pride for the very first time myself this year. I was very ill in Melbourne, in Australia, and and I'd never been to Pride before, and I've always wanted to go. only got to miss bloody Mardi Gras in Sydney. I've always wanted to as well. So I put on my best nipple pasties and rainbow hat and and lots and lots of tissues (laughs) so I could blow my nose all day long and went along to the Pride Parade. And it was wonderful. But I did see it as a celebration rather than a protest. And that's when conversations like these become essential. So that's where this episode came from. And I've got to say, I think there's probably two of the best interviews I have ever had. And I'm really excited to be sharing them with you. So 
So I was looking around Cornwall for some queer inspiration. There's not much of it, but when it does come along, boyo, are they amazing. Zodi, an incredible drag performer who went from Scotland, came down to Cornwall and then is now performing in Birmingham happily gave me a chance to interview them and I was so blummin' excited because well actually why am I introducing them let them introduce themselves I am Zodi um my out drag name is Tanya but <laughs> that is gone with the wind now I think the only people <laughs> that call me Tanya is my dad now and my brother cool. I'm 19 I'm from I'm originally from Scotland and oh. then I was and now I am Birmingham so right I've been all over the place yeah I've been doing drag for I'd say about two years now like performing well I first went out in drag two mm. years ago right. and then I've been performing for just over a year just here in Birmingham now living my best life and then they actually put me in touch with my second guest Kieran having known each other through the queer community the way I met Kieran was so so adorable so okay. <laughs> it was maybe the first month that I'd moved to Birmingham so in September just gone like last mm. September and um I was in loft like this little like lunch bar Kieran and someone else was there and I think I'd met them like before but I couldn't really remember because I was I was very much gone <laughs> but, uh, we were sat there and then Kieran was like I've literally only just realized that you're Zodi, like you're Miss Zodi. Like I used right. to go by Miss Zodi. They were like, yeah. I just realized that you're Miss Zodi. Oh my God, please do not open the messages that I sent to you last night. And I was like, <laughs> why? So across the table, I got my phone out and I was like, Shh. and it was just these really like cute, like paragraphs just being like, oh my God, it was so nice to meet you. I followed like your art for ages and I think you're incredible and all this. And I was like, oh. since then we've been best of friends. That is a meet-cute, if I've ever heard one. And here to introduce themselves, I give you Kieran. So I'm Kieran. Um, I'm non-binary. My pronouns are they and them. Mm-hmm. Um, I am openly gay and I'm currently now based in uh, Birmingham. My sort of background is um, I was born in Germany, military background, lived in all different kind of areas across the UK, retained an Oxford accent, I think. Um, (laughs) Me. I'd say the one thing that stands about me is how active I am about inclusion, uh, diversity and equality, whether that's taking it on online platforms or going to a room of kids and talking to them in a a, um, school educational format. That's that's me. So we have a drag performer and an activist. I'm not going to lie, I think this might be the most excited I've ever been about doing an episode. I'm so excited to share what they have to say with you because I learned a hell of a lot and I'm, I'm hoping you'll feel the same way. We're going to start with Zodi and their background because obviously drag is not a profession that, you know, you're offered at the end of school. It's not like Nurse Baker drag. Uh, so getting there, it's always an interesting story and it's always a bit of a journey. I was born in Aberdeen and mm. then I lived like an hour north, like on the coast of this little town called Banff. Right. It's, it's cute to be fair. It's, it's not the best area, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's good in terms of Scottish towns. <laughs> Which is the best you could do. It's the best you can hope for, isn't it? Yeah. How did you find being in those areas growing up and feeling the way you did it was really weird and really really isolating really like Mm. um just in general being a queer person in those small towns like 
going from one small town to an even smaller town in Cornwall, it was just, mm. it was very isolating. Luckily, I had like a few queer friends in school, but it was still one of those things where I wasn't like properly out and like mm. myself until getting into college in the same breath. Um, because we've got so much social media and everything now, I found ways to connect to other people around the UK. And before I actually moved to Birmingham, I spent the last two-ish, maybe three years traveling. Like all of the money that I earned in my little Saturday job, I'd save up and just travel to Birmingham or London or Scotland or somewhere just by myself for a day or two just to go and see like other queer people and like network with everyone. It had its plus sides because it made me branch out and be more independent. Did that have any contribution to why you started drag in the first place? Um, It definitely did help. Um, I was originally I didn't start traveling until after I'd started dabbling in drag makeup I I wasn't like properly doing drag because I didn't have a character I didn't have a name I was just kind of like doing makeup for fun when I started up my Instagram and things like that then I'd start networking with everyone and it really did help me go and travel to different places like it's the reason why I'm here in Birmingham and why moving to Birmingham was so easy for me as well because I'd spent so much time traveling here Mm. that I already knew so many people here when I arrived was like it's mad that you're only here. I swear you've been on the scene here for years. And I'm like, yeah, I've been around in spirit. <laughs> so I suppose if, if you've already sort of made that space for yourself, then it's a lot easier to step into it. Yeah, it made the transition moving here um, a lot easier. And it also meant I could come here and instantly be like, I'm home. I'm with my family now. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, Cornwall, where where did you come to in Cornwall? Where did that start? So I moved to Camelford. I'm not sure if you know what that is. It's like near May Mate, I am in St. Q Highway. Oh, St. Q Highway. They do the Shut best. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah Auntie Avis's. I, I used to pass there every other day because I used to work. Um, I don't know if you know, but there's this little like caravan. It's like Nice Baps Cafe. Yes, you work there. Because my my cousins run that business. Like, that's all my family that run that. <gasps> oh, my God. You worked at Nice Babs. Yeah, I've like, walked past there, for, well, driven past there for years. And every time we drive past, we go, oh, Nice Babs. Every time. Every single time. I recommend it. I worked there for ages and my family all, like, runs it. Like, it's my family's, um, my, like, cousin's business. Oh, my so, God. So where did you where did you go to school then? Um, so I went to school in Camelford Secondary. It was, it was good. It was something. <laughs> oh no, Camelford is, is Camelford is. I don't know. Like it's, it's it's it's. I don't know. I live nearby. I've gone through it quite a lot. It's not. It's not a bad place, but it also hasn't got the nicest atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah, it, it, it's not the best. I couldn't really be like an openly queer person there, and it was always always like really scary. Like if I'd need to go and do a drag gig, especially if it was like later on before I moved, like oh. I do like Plymouth, whatever. Yeah. So I'd, I'd walk up to the car first, get in and start and I'd bolt out the house and like run to the door and be like, no! Oh yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want anyone to see me. Um, just before I moved as well, I started working at this little cocktail bar in Bodmin called the mm. Beehive. I oh, think they yeah. their name now, but... Um, I did, I created a drag show there because nice. they, um, they started getting really interested in my drag and they were like, this is so cool. Do you reckon it'd be a possibility to put a night on here? And I was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> I booked in a few acts and a few of my friends for it and we put on this show and it was packed out. Oh. Like so many people loved it. So I think yeah. normal, especially it's a case of 
people want drag there and they want queer um queer expression but mm. no one's giving it to them when it is given to them they absolutely loved it it was really fun and i've put it on my list of achievements to put on the first drag show in bodmans oh, <laughs> you're completely right in the sense like you walk around cornwall and there are just a load of weirdos everyone here is weird and eccentric and they're all dingbats so when something else comes along that's eccentric and beautiful and fun and silly of course they're gonna love it the show was absolutely lovely that we did there i think we're planning another one for when COVID-19 leaves us. Wonderful. Um, it was absolutely fabulous. It was one part of it was really heartbreaking though, because it was in a bar, like obviously yeah. it's 18. And this mom brought her two children and stood outside and was like, can you come out and meet them? Because they absolutely love drag queen. And we're really sad that it's an 18 plus gig. And I was like, oh, oh my God, yeah. So I got all of the queens out oh. into like, the street to meet these like little children, like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That is so sweet. I was just going to ask sort of about your relationship with your family going into drag and how that's been. My dad is my absolute saviour. I adore him with every fibre of my being. That's wonderful. Um, he's, he's so old. <laughs> he's 76. <laughs> he's he 77 this year, right? First going into drag and telling him that I openly identify as queer and everything. He's always been really supportive. Originally, he would every now and then use it against me. But only when we were having arguments because he knew nothing else would affect me. And I was right. like, so then even when he said it like against me, I'd be like, you don't really mean that because you've had many of conversations with me where you say you accept me. So don't even try and pull that over me because I know you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> but he's incredible. Um, he's been, he tries so hard to learn and everything because he's from such a different generation, like a mm. ridiculous gap. Yeah. Um, uh, it's so incredible and awe-inspiring for me that he spent so much of his life believing in these strict rules and not knowing about queer people, like think, having not great thoughts about queer people and trans people to then listen to what I have to say and then actively make as much change as he possibly can yeah. in change views. Like he has tried so hard. There's still some things he struggles on. He still struggles with some like trans issues and things like that. Mm. But he still accepts me in every way he can and he still makes as much effort as he can to learn about things when i did gigs down down south he'll always come along to them he'd be like my biggest supporter he'd just be there in the corner like yes <laughs> even now even though i've not seen him in a few months he'll always mm. be like on my instagram being like this is amazing love you should be in movies like oh, oh. <laughs> He's amazing. He's my biggest supporter. I, I adore him. He's incredible. Even my brother, because I have a twin brother, he is also my rock, my absolute cherub. Like, we're so ridiculously close. Everything that we've been through in life, every like hardship we've had, we've mm. gone through it together because we've always been around each other. He is incredible. And I remember this one conversation he had with me that always sticks out in my mind is he always, he came up to me and said, um, I'm so grateful for you and the way you are and how you've been so brave to just be yourself because it's really taught me so much and it's allowed me not to become like a naive, ignorant person and not understand any of it like how dad used to be. That's... <sighs> it was the most validating thing I've ever heard and he's yeah. always been my biggest supporter. Even like coming out as non-binary or like um, queer to him, he was mm. just like, all right. Cool. <laughs> What's news? <laughs> hey, cool. Do you want some noodles? And I'm like, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Sweet. 
yeah, that conversation he had with me is um, it's always stuck out in my mind. It always seems with family that it's one of two extremes. You know, they're either incredibly supportive and very proud of what you're doing, or it's a dissociation with who you are and a denial of your reality, as Kieran has experienced in their background. Was it your choice to end up in Birmingham, or was that just sort of due to circumstances? Do you know what? I think it it was it was in a sense um, a choice. When I was made homeless, it was just the case of I need to find somewhere to live. Who can I reach out to? And Zodi was actually one of the first people that I reached out to and said, "I know like this situation's really weird at the minute. Mm. I'm in a certain situation where I can no longer go back home. What's your situation? Because I know that Zodi's been living with other friends since the beginning of lockdown." Right. Um, and they'd said that their student accommodation was free. So they said, come and use it as much as you want. Um, and that's when the ball started to get rolling a bit more. Um, I did move to other places around the area um, mm. just because I felt like, although I had a roof over my head, um, I needed to I needed to be around other people for my mental health. Um, yeah, of course. And with obviously the circumstances of lockdown, it's been very challenging to try and find people that are willing to let you in another sort of drag house took me in um they said stay here as long as you want we have got a solid income stay here we'll probably get to know you um and then two weeks later that's when i I landed this place with um saint basil's um they've worked with another organization called uh, i think it's big mama's house which is lovely here in Birmingham but I've been meaning to get here for the past six years right okay okay so this is I suppose silver lining of the whole thing is that it's pushed you in the right direction to the place you want to be as well you see extreme of the unknown is always a very worrying thing but also some wonderful things can come out of it and I'm I'm hoping that's what you're experiencing as well things are moving yeah there are some things happening in the pipeline that I'm really excited about so it's one thing to recognize what's going on inside yourself what was the transition from going from recognize it in yourself to wanting to help others hmm I'd say accepting myself first is a journey as it is Mm. for everyone Mm. being queer and being in an area where it was quite heavily conservative very much this is the shape of mold you have to conform to Mm. was difficult was that the military background or was that just family background kind of everything it was the environment that I was in, so 10 to 16. Mm. Um, so for six years, I lived in Oxfordshire. So, And the area that I was in was heavily surrounded by military. It was very white, um, conservative. There wasn't any visible diversity. Right, okay. Except yeah. for that one that person means. that was visibly different, that yeah. everyone knew in the town, mm. but wouldn't ever sort of tried to make friends with it. it was always like oh there they are let's yeah. laugh at them that kind of environment yeah I was bullied throughout the whole of my school years for my sexual orientation mm-hmm. um I came out as gay to myself when I was probably about nine or ten and then came out to my closest friends when I was about 13 I wanted to make sure that growing up through school where I could be myself to an extent that isn't too open, but people know yeah. was freeing enough. And I just wanted that kind of attention. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to come out at school because of the repercussions of it. I'd seen mm-hmm. other queer people that had come out and I didn't want 
that being put on me, no. the bullying that was occurring. No one wants to be bullied at the end of the day. So if you can hide yourself, you will. And then when I finished school, that's when I was unapologetically gay. Okay. Yeah, I am. So what? Then we moved um, to the West Midlands. The town that I was in it was kind of 30 years behind. That sort of journey from the age of 16 was when I was trying to figure out who I am. Although that I'd come out as gay, there just wasn't something that, there was just something else I felt just wasn't adding mm-hmm. up. Like it wasn't right. Um, and I, need, I didn't know how to explore that route. Mm. Um, it was when I was working in retail and a couple of colleagues of mine had said, have you heard about this thing called Drag Race? I think you might like it. And I was like, no, I used to be that kind of person that because of the environment that I was in, I was conditioned to believe that pride was just for people that wanted to drink, that wanted to just get naked mm-hmm. and sleep around. And I just yeah. thought, I don't want any part of that. Why would I want any part of that? That's not who I am. Mm. So that kind of mindset, I was like, to be then introduced to drag, I was like, no, no, no. Me being a femme shamer, who'd have thought? Right. Um, but that was something that was ingrained in me, unfortunately. But I gave it a go. My friends were like, honestly, just watch it. And I've been obsessed with the show. Ever since, yeah. <laughs> and then it was seeing queer people be visible and expressing their femininity without having other people say, you can't act that way. It was very mm. much, you're on a stage. This is your moment. Through the likes of Miss Fame and Sasha Valore, with them being openly non-binary I thought that's a really interesting word what is that and then I think at the time Miley Cyrus was like I'm gender fluid and I thought what is this what is this language Mm. Um, and so I dived into it a bit more and I thought well that feels similar like I get that that feels like me like I don't I don't like wearing these suits and these ties and I don't want to wear these particular shoes and I want to I want to do this but Mm. when I do this this happens and I don't want to have a negative response to being who I am Mm. and it was that point where I was just like you know what no I'm gonna do it and if people don't like it that's not on me so it's very liberating to see people who are like me on a big tv show that's now global it's recognized globally and then through that journey yeah I I identified as gender fluid for a couple months Mm. And then, then I decided that actually non-binary suits me really well. I prefer non-binary. My pronouns changed over the course of like a year or two, where it was like he, they, he, she, they. And then I just kind of settled on they, like they suits yeah. me fine. There have been times where in the most recent years from my family, I'd correct them if, if they misgendered me. Yeah. And I'd say, I would just like, they'd be in conversation. They'd be like, oh, um, Kieran did this today. He's been doing this and that. And I'd just pipe in and say, they. And the blah, 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 blah. And I would yeah. keep repeating, they. Yeah. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you misgendered me. And they're like, you know what I mean? And it's like that, there, like, yeah. you know what I mean? I, no, I don't. And you're trying to excuse that. Mm. And you're trying to slide that off. Like, just because we're family, mm. it doesn't give you a free pass to that. Like, you have to be accountable for what you've said and learn yeah. from it. I mean, my mum in particular, she would make comments, oh, well, I gave birth to you. I'm exempt from being transphobic and homophobic yeah. because I gave birth to you, yeah. like, with my blood. So it doesn't count. No, yeah. it does. Um, but I mean, stemming off, like, the whole racism part as well. They can learn. They just don't want to mm. learn it from my perspective mm-hmm. of... This is what I've learned about, for example, racism. 
we are a white family, let's talk about these things. Mm-hmm. And they just, they're, they're not that kind of family that will sit down and have difficult conversations. No. And more importantly, they're not the kind of people that would reflect inwards to see how they're accountable to their behaviours because no. racism can turn into other sort of hatreds. It can no. turn into homophobia, it can turn into transphobia, it can turn into ableism. Everything's interlinked between mm. how you react to your own um, discriminatory behaviours. Yeah. And that is, you're completely right in the fact that it all stems from microaggressions, which isn't just, you know, taken away from the discrimination, but just looking at the British culture. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, keep your head down, carry on, don't make a fuss. Yeah. My family are, they're very much the same in the fact that they'll listen to what I have to say and they won't put me down for saying it, but they won't really change their minds. It's infuriating as well. And I imagine, do, do you feel patronised? Is that I, I do. Yeah, it is very patronising when you're trying to help someone mm. and you're trying to do it in the best way to not offend them. I'm trying to censor myself for you, but I shouldn't have to do that because you're hurting me. But the thing is with, with people that have that kind of mindset is that mm. they won't ever see them as offending you because you're going in with using terminology that is associated with harshness, such as what you said there was homophobic. Homophobic is a negative thing. People that don't want to be associated with that, if they believe in their mind that they are allies and, oh, I'd never do that. I would never, I am not a homophobe. I'm not a transphobe. You can say that, but you have to reflect inwards of, though you may not outwardly say homophobic or transphobic or racist comments, how are you contributing to that as a straight cis white person? Yes. Are you not doing anything? Doing nothing still contributes to the issue. Do you know, I find the whole thing hilarious in the sense that, you know, parents teach their kids from a very young age is like, don't just not be the bully. Don't be the person that sits there quietly watching the bully do the hurt. That makes you part of the problem. Exactly. Yet you take that incredibly similar situation implied to everything that's going on at the moment and they have a million and one excuses as to why it's got nothing to do with them those people that have got that wall and it's you're not going to penetrate that no it's fine it's okay don't waste that much energy trying to get through a wall that's not going to be broken yeah channel it somewhere else figure out a different way some people have got it so are so conditioned into thinking that that way is it and any other way is just far left or far right yeah there's no there's no other way for me i've experienced this that i've tried so hard to get my family to realize that you need to be accountable for things that you say and they're not having it it's exhausting with the situation that i've had at hand we're not in communication anymore okay i'm still equally as passionate about making things right where can I go from there? There's another person that is saying some difficult things. Hey, can I have a conversation with you about that? Do you know what that is? Oh, tell me more about it. Thank God. There's someone else. Like, just because one experience is a brick wall Mm. doesn't mean that everyone else is going to be. Sometimes it's more of like a a window or a hole in it that you can just kind of like pop in and say, hello, um, let's have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, things, things can move. It's so difficult when you don't see any changes. Yeah. And you just feel as though that the work you're doing is doing nothing. Mm. 
but the moment that you can get through to one person that in itself is is a success because that one person has learned from that and they're doing something with that they can then feed that into other people like I, I can say that that's the attitude to have and it's wonderful but I I don't know how many people I have in my life who have got to that attitude yet because that is that is hard yeah and and you are right in the fact that is exhausting like you have perfectly personally felt the exhaustion I imagine you have done for a very long time take the life out of you man it really can yeah and that's again it's so important to to realize that if you're tired and you're trying to think why am I so tired why is it every time I have these conversations it upsets me Mm. learn to stop and just chill I've looked at the work that I'm doing. I keep being told that what I'm doing isn't progressive, that Mm -hmm. I'm damaging um, the cause more than I'm actually doing good for it. That's all I was hearing. And that was what was coming from my family. I I didn't have access to other queer people, for example, where I'm talking about queer issues. It was only ever a conversation with people that don't get it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. don't get it and aren't willing to learn about it more from someone who is queer that is giving you for free yeah information yeah it took it out of me for a really long time it's only as of like the past week I'd say I've really mm. started to get that fire back in me and think yeah. actually no like I am doing a really good job look at all the things that I've done in the past but it just takes time mm. and throughout that whole journey it has been a case of I'm hitting another wall why am I hitting a wall plan restructure find a different route that I can take to still get the messages out there that will posit- mm. positively impact people. It's very hard to come to terms with that feeling of exhaustion and to, as Girin says, just chill, especially for me anyway, because I mean, I'm only fighting, or not fighting, but discussing these uh, conversations, having these issues with um, close family members who, one, very much understand and support me, and two, they're just very much of their generation and not really willing to change that you know I'm exhausted from just those conversations and they're pretty damn easy compared to what Kieran is experiencing so I have nothing but um or I suppose for what they are trying to do but getting into these kind of progressive careers in the first place is usually a step-by-step process as Zodi can explain well was it was it makeup then that started your interest in drag in the first place yeah it was originally makeup because I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race as all the baby queens nowadays do yes Um, I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race and then the more I watched the more I felt like detached from it because I was like I love this and I love this art form, but there's no one like me on there. So I started looking around the UK and looking at like local queens and like people on Instagram and stuff like that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a go because all my life I'd been really interested in makeup. But for some reason, I think it's the whole like non-binary aspect, like playing a part in my life before I even realized what it was. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I was like, I'm not allowed to touch makeup. I can't touch makeup. I can't go look at it. Like, that's for the pretty girls. That's for the girly girls. I was like, I'm not allowed to do that. So then drag kind of broke me out of that bubble of, you can't do this. You're not allowed to do this. And then I started playing around with it. Here I am. That is crazy, though, isn't it? That it's two things that you felt slightly disassociated from came together to to make you the person you are now. It pretty much came together. And... It was almost a sense of rebellion for me as well, because I was like, you know what? I've been telling myself I can't do this for years, and now I'm going to do it because I can. Absolutely. Your name, 
Zodi. What was the yeah. progress of that then? So how did that how did that come about? So my name's Zodi after Zodiac, like yes. the Zodiac, because I've always been obsessed with the Zodiac. I should know more facts about it than I do. I'm just really bad at retaining information. Okay. <laughs> but I've always been just obsessed with the fact that I am a Scorpio and that's the main characteristic of me. Also, where I used to live in Scotland, when I was like feeling very like isolated and alone, um, the place I lived was so high above sea level that the stars would be out so bright every single night. And it was my mm. favorite thing to do, just to sit in my window like by myself and just watch them and be like, I felt so much comfort in it. When I was thinking of my drag name, I was like, I want it to be to do with stars. And I was like, Zodi, stars, Zodiac. Yep, we'll, we'll do that. Perfect. We'll go with this. Well, it's, it's true, isn't it? When I went to the Blue Mountains in Australia, you could see the Milky Way to the point where you could see the stars changing different colours. Like they oh. were red, blue and green. And I was looking up at that and just thinking, I feel about 10,000. Because it puts you into perspective that I don't think you get with anything else. It's a really weird feeling to explain. Like, because it comforts you. Like, yet also it makes you feel small. Really small. In a humbled sense. Yes. Like it kind of humbles you a little bit. You're like, wow, I'm really not the only thing out here. But I'm still here. And that's yeah. crazy. Like, it's really weird, but yeah. I have so much comfort and solitude in it because it, they, mm. like, the stars seemed really lonely and I was like, I'm lonely too. You are the stars now because people are looking at you and you're making them less lonely. Building up their <laughs> constellation right before your eyes. Wonderful. I mean, <laughs> the transition from Miss Zodi to Zodi, when, when about did that happen? Um, well, I was thinking about it for a while because originally I only did Miss Zodi because I thought I had to have two names in my drag name. And right. also names beginning with Miss used to really make me giggle. And I can't explain why. They just really <laughs> It's a bit naughty, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but then, um, and the more I came into like, my non-binary identity, I was like, I think I just want Zodi. And also, just having one name mm. as your name is mm. such a power move. Like Shakira isn't Miss Shakira. They don't need another name. And also, Miss Zodi is very formal. It is. And it does also make you older. You are only 19. That is true. I feel like it fit more when I was like 18 and trying to get into it because people would think that I was older. How did you find it when you started performing in the first place? I got booked for my first gig and oh my God, I have never been so scared in my entire life. Oh, I bet. I went through so many emotions to the point where like the week before, for a couple of hours, I'd be like, yes, I have got this. I'm going to be the best person ever. There is no way this can go wrong at all. To then the hour later being like, I'm going to quit drag. I don't want to do it. I'm sure I don't want to do any of it. No, I can't do it. And then I'm still having that fear a few times um, into performing. But now I'm pretty, I don't really get that nerve when I'm performing now because no. I know people are booking me because they've seen what I do and they want what I do. No. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be someone else. Do you know no. what I mean? And there's no one else like you. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? It, it, that's probably a good thing to be honest because if I found someone else like me oh my god I'd hate them <laughs> before I got into drag I was I used to be such a quiet person like doing mm. this was something so out of bounds like I wouldn't be able to speak to people yeah. like on the street like I'd even have issues going to like a till and checking out like yeah. because I was just so it's about speaking to people and interacting with people but drag really like gave me a whole new level of confidence with it and it's because i saw these like seven foot monsters in these ridiculous outfits and wigs and dresses just being these fabulous beings speaking to everyone and i was like 
you know, if they're doing this in a whole ass wig and nine inch heels, then why can't I do it in general? It completely changed my life. Like completely, I'm nowhere near the person I was before I started all of this. The best thing is, and I'm sure, I'm sure you appreciate this, is when you look back and you go, I feel sorry for you because I feel so good now. And that is it's an incredible bad. feeling to have. It is really, it's, it's so weird looking back at like old pictures of myself because it's just old pictures where I look like the most generic, basic straight girl ever that would not speak to anyone. And I'm just there like, wow. And like had like zero friends as well. And now I'm here like looking like the queer person I do now. Like people know that I am queer by looking at me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very much fine with that. Mm. But it, it's so fun to see the growth. My dad always says it to me as well. He, he always says to me, like, how do you ever find the confidence to go on stage and do these things when mm. you could never even speak to people before? And I'm just like, well, dad, welcome to drag. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it does. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were saying about your drag mother earlier. When, when did they come along? Mom is Jay Andre. She's a really cool queen here in Birmingham. I've mm. known her for like, I'm going to say like two years now because I was speaking to her on Instagram before I moved here. And I'd come and travel and see her here as well. And then she became my drag mom. I think it was like, I think maybe November mm. last year. Because we were all on our night out together. We were all like a bit drunk. And she was like, so dear, do you want to be my drag baby? And I was there like, you're drunk, you're joking. You're drunk. <laughs> and then the morning after, mm. I woke up and I was like, do you remember what you said to me last night? And were you serious? She was like, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> that's so sweet and because i I've, I've seen this before obviously i'm a big fan of rupaul's drag race over here and you know i've heard i've heard that sort of popular side of the culture what what exactly is a drag mom what does a drag mom do exactly a drag mom is basically someone that you could like see as a mother figure or mm-hmm. someone like guide you or like that just helps you out with a lot of stuff not it's not really like a sense of like a job role where like, they yeah. have to do this and do this and do this mm. but to me, like, my drag mom is just someone who's there for me. If I need help on a mix or need an opinions on an outfit or a wig or a look. But more than anything, it's just the sense of having a family as well. Like, having a drag mom to me was such a big deal for such a long time because mm. I don't really have, like, a relationship with my actual mom. So right. for, like, such a long time, I was craving, like, a maternal kind of, like, a mother figure in my life. Mm. So, like, for a long time when I didn't have a drag mom, I was like why doesn't anyone want me as their like child so when my drag mom actually was like I want you as my baby I was like oh, oh yeah and it just kind of like made sense and kind of fit together yeah yeah and you've got to wait because it is a natural connection it is a maternal connection as you say which is exactly what you need in your profession as well isn't it really exactly and as, as yeah. queer people we're all looking for that as well so it's just exactly. really good that. it's layer on layer of love isn't it <laughs> it's, it's quite gorgeous do you think in the drag scene, because obviously you are involved and you have been for a while, what would you say the issues are when it comes to inclusivity? The inclusivity in the drag scene can very much vary from city to city, but the, the ratio, yeah. I don't, mm, sounds too mathematical for me. <laughs> it's three to one. <laughs> yeah, the opportunities that are presented to the cis white male queens are proportionally larger than opportunities given to either trans people, female queens, people of colour. It's on a different level. There's not as many opportunities given, but I think that's something people are definitely going to work on a lot more moving forward from this, especially after all the Black Lives Matter movement as well. Yeah, It's definitely something that's going to be improved on, and as it should be. 
Yeah, I feel like the combination of Pride, Stonewall and Black Lives Matter sort of like mixing together at the same time has sparked yeah. a true new era in, in all of these, in, in just general inclusivity all over the place. You've been involved with it for a while, but only a couple of years. Would, would you say that there was a, a time, like a point in time when it went from cis men doing it to it becoming more open and accessible for, for others? Maybe like a year and a half ago maybe like two years was when we saw like a big push trans queens apal queens queens of color like getting more recognition mm. uh, a big thing i can remember um i think it was done last year or maybe the year before one of the female queens here in birmingham actually got the definition of drag queen changed in the dictionary shut up yeah i, I think because it originally meant like a man dressing up as a woman and now the definition for it is something like just a form of art oh that's wonderful so, like genuinely got it changed in the dictionary which was like such an iconic moment that makes all the difference doesn't it her name is Lacey McFadden definitely check her out but once you change the definition it changes it for everyone is that part of what made you feel more comfortable getting into it in the first place I'm very headstrong (laughs) the more I got into it I was like I'm doing this and no one can tell me that I can't do it I don't care what the dictionary says but now then it was changed and I was like oh that is fabulous now if anyone actually brings up the dictionary definition I can be like ah 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 (laughs) excuse me (laughs) i really hope you carry around a mini oxford dictionary (laughs) just like really small one (laughs) i did look for some mini oxford dictionaries but they're just not very good value uh when i have a bit more cash to spare zodi i'll be sending one over um but it is in these bad experiences that the good times shine and you do tend to find that silver lining that will kick off your whole career, as Kieran experienced. There were a lot of cases where I was um, spat on in the streets, I was attacked, I um, was bullied in my job. It was all these things that occurred, but through experiencing that, it just solidified in myself more that you are who you are and be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And throughout those experiences of working in retail where I was bullied ruthlessly for my identity, mm-hmm. that encouraged me more to speak out more about it and say, hey, that's not right. We are valid as non-binary mm-hmm. people. And of all places in retail where queer phobia is rife, why? When you've got gay designers, queer yeah. designers, it just didn't make sense. So that kind of in myself instilled that, I want to be the person that works on the inside to make sure that the face value is what it is. If people are going to wave the gay flags and they're going to say we're inclusive, I want to see it. I want to make sure that you're doing what you're doing. And that's when the ball started getting rolling. I've collaborated with Barclays. Um, I set up a network for Empower. I've collaborated with universities and colleges, maybe on the down low between us. Yeah. The potential of Birmingham Pride is there. Oh. So I really hope so. That'd be amazing. <laughs> it's through all the negative experiences that I've had in my life that have empowered me to be more vocal and to stand up for what is right. Yeah. Um, and when people say that's wrong, tell me why that's wrong. I want to see why you believe that's wrong. Yes. And let's talk about this. People don't like to be told that they're wrong. No. Uh, people don't like opinions being forced down them. Um, no. My approach has always been constructive let's sit down and talk about it. Appreciate the way that you feel, but the way that you're feeling has this reaction. Yes, so. because usually it's a lack of understanding from the person that you're talking to. Yeah. They don't understand the repercussions. They don't understand the way that 
what they're saying might offend someone else. The Stonewall, I was looking at one they put out recently about the uh, Gender Recognition Act, and it was saying about the uh, statistics and everything. 70%, wasn't it? 70% of the people who did the survey agreed in trans rights and that people should be able to legally announce themselves as whatever gender they prefer. But within that, only 50% saw transphobic comments as being mostly unacceptable. They would, would be outraged if you call them transphobic, but they would often let that behaviour slide. Do you see what I mean? 50% of the 70%? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was oh, that's cool. interesting. That's a lot. That's a lot. So it's like, and the way that they phrased it, the person who wrote the article said um, that they don't outwardly hate or actively dislike, but they don't want you to teach their kids. That exactly, which in itself is contributing to transphobia. Exactly, and that's the subtleness of British discrimination in 100%. all senses. Is that it's subtle and it's sly. So you working your way from the inside out. That is the most direct way of doing it, is dealing Mm -hmm. with people inside. 100%. I mean, I think that in a way to kind of, yeah, to go off what you said there by Mm. it's so ingrained within British society, microaggressions that they Mm. very rarely get noticed. I think I've been fortunate that I've been able to turn negatives into positive. People can't. Most people can't do that. And that's... It's an incredibly strong person. An incredibly strong person to do that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it takes, yeah, the right, if, if it's so powerful when you are able to reflect on your darkest experiences and turn that into something that is going to actively change and help someone else Mm. in my head, I don't want anyone to experience what I've been through. Um, and that for me is, is a means of ways of saying, how how can I do that? Mm. Let's talk about these things. I'll talk about anything openly. Mm. I'm an open book. To see the the results of of things that I've done in the past, mm. it's not that I seek these things. People come to me and they say, "Don't give up," because from getting to know you, I've been able to do this. You've inspired me to do this. Yeah. Um, I've come out. Those are the things that keep me going. Although I may not see those changes, to hear those people and their experiences and that I've been an influence on that Mm. definitely makes me it makes you want to keep going doesn't it yeah oh a hundred percent because it's not like you're looking for praise it's not like you're looking for someone to come back to you and be like I always get really shocked (laughs) isn't it though like I I, it's the same with the podcast like it's my baby and I like to think that what I'm putting out there will put a smile on people's faces or lightly educational and slightly humorous is is essentially my description but when someone replies and says ah that episode this week I listened to it whilst I went for a whole walk with my dog and it made me laugh the entire time I'm just like thank you thank you like I don't expect you to tell me that you know it it keeps you going and want to have the same effect on even more people and when you spread that little love and little bit of joy I think it just it just makes everything so much easier doesn't it oh absolutely to see so much negativity in the world to just have one comment that says you're doing great yeah don't give up it's like yeah actually you're right when it comes to the because you know the people who support one thing but not another like people who are part of the lgbtq plus community who are racist you know because that's that's something that people have really really been dealing with recently there's been so many posts about the people who started uh the stonewall rights in the first place being people of color and queer and and that's something that isn't 
known you know i didn't know about it until i saw these posts myself so why why do you think that is such an issue in itself i'd say that trans people and particularly trans people of color have always been observed as second class to yeah. white cis gay people um within our own community and it's wrong i think that the reason why a lot of people don't know about the likes of marsha p johnson these people gave you the rights that you have now as cis gay men and i specifically mm -hmm. say cis gay men because i hear it a lot from them that they refuse to get any more involved with the lgbt community because they're comfortable i'm glad that you're comfortable while other people of our community are dying yeah because that's the harsh reality and i won't sugarcoat that no. um although i am a non-binary person i have my fair share of experiences that have been traumatizing but it's nowhere near in comparison to a bigger problem and issue that has to be discussed is our trans and non-binary siblings mm. who are part of our community. They're the ones that are being attacked. They have such a high percentage of death rates in America, yeah. not even alone in America. We have to be thinking about different regions of Africa as well, where people are still being, <laughs> you, you can be murdered for being, for being queer in yeah. areas of, of, of Africa in the East, it isn't just about America and England. Which is... Yes, we have our problems. Yeah. And yes, they need to be addressed, but mm. we don't just stop there. Like, no. the queer movement, until... I, I always say this, that once we're all free and we're all able to live authentically without repercussions of being jailed, murdered, or losing our jobs, mm. then the movement continues. There won't be any queer liberation until everyone's been liberated. I can only talk from my perspective uh, from a white queer person that mm. it hasn't been that hard as it is for other people. So I'm always trying to, especially nowadays, I'm trying to use my platform to raise them up and make more awareness of that. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it goes back to our history. I would encourage people to look at uh, on, on Netflix. You have so many resources at the minute, um, mm. especially with um, the Marsha P. Johnson documentary. Mm -hmm. It's things like that, that if you really want to get a, a better understanding of what it's like for other members of our community, mm. look at those, engage with more people of colour on social media, expand your following. It's all these different things that like, don't take that much effort that will have the biggest impact in the future. Your voice, your opinion, as in someone who it hasn't been through that experience specifically, but also is aware of that because that yeah. is the biggest issue at the moment is that people saying, well, it's got nothing to do with me. Why should I bother? You are the bridge between the gap, I suppose, between, between somebody not understanding that it's their experience and that being someone's entire experience for their whole life. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same with feminism. It's, it's the same with, uh, you know, several friends of mine who say, well, I've never experienced it. So I'm absolutely fine. I was like, well, that's not, true is it yeah, just because you don't experience it doesn't mean it's not there exactly exactly and and you know it's also the most frustrating thing i've found is also when you're trying to explain it to someone that you have to make it relatable to them my my personal experiences have been through feminism and you know when it comes to speaking to several men about feminism and sexual assault and things like that the way that i've only ever been able to get that final na final nail in the coffin is so imagine if it happened to your sister 
And that is the only way that they will even slightly possibly begin to be able to understand. Mm-hmm. And that is a massive issue you're coming up against here. That bridge in between the about trying to make everyone else understand as well. No, I completely agree with that. I think us as as white people, we have such a responsibility that <clears throat> we're not making that we're taking away some of the labour that people of colour have been doing for years. Like mm. it's not down to a minority um, or someone who is exp- experiencing some some sort of prejudice. It's not down to them to keep putting in all the work. If you're not impacted by it directly, you're the one that's going to be able, people are going to listen to you then if you start talking about it. Yeah. And it comes, it's the same with racism. It's the same with homophobia. It's the same as, as transphobia as well, that, I say a lot to cis people, I can only preach to the converters yeah. about trans issues. Yeah. Cis people have to step up. You you have networks of other cis people that wouldn't even have me in a room, mm. but they'll listen to you. Yeah. So it's like you existing as you are has such a massive impact of directing a room. Mm. Once you've got that person engaged and once that ripple has started to spread, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you can start to see the differences. A good example of a a company that has seen the problems is Barclays. They invited me to help them become better allies um, with their board of directors and other staff as well. Um, And I thought, me? Okay, I think that, was, like, that was my first public speaking. Um, it was just so fascinating to hear their experiences with it. In celebration of Pride, they had changed their app logo to have rainbows on it. Right, wonderful. Lovely. They had, I think, I think it was around ninety percent of their complaints spiked, and it was surrounding the fact that they had changed their app logo to have rainbows on it. Goodness, and. They were, they were taken aback by that. They thought, oh my God, well, we weren't expecting this. Right, damage control. We need to make sure that we're keeping the peace. Mm. So they handled it in a problematic way where they were writing letters and responding to tweets and emails, apologising for the use of their logo. And we don't mean to offend. We're very sorry. And when I found out about that, I said, why did you apologise? What have you got to apologise for? They said, well, we just didn't know how to handle it. I said, okay, that's a learning curve. You have to think about these things because I think realistically, whoever they had kind of give the ideas and whoever it was that signed it off, I want to say probably weren't part of the community Mm. because as queer people, we know what it means to have a rainbow on us, to be labelled with a rainbow. You get negativity. It's probably going to happen. So the way that I kind of helped them with that was, okay, you've already done it, but you've opened Pandora's box now. Once you show yourselves as inclusive, mm-hmm. there's no closing that box now. You have to keep going. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were saying that, um, customers of theirs were saying, why are you doing it for LGBT month? Why can't you do it for World AIDS Day? Why can't you do it in International Women's Day? I'm like, right. all of these things aren't negatives. Listen to them. Yes, and decide how you want to go about this because it's great that you're supporting LGBT, but they're totally right in saying, where's the support for women? Where's your representation of women in, in, in the business? Who yeah. at a higher level are there? Like it's all these things that now you've opened the box, address it and you restructure. 
and it was really good because they were they were really taking everything on board and think yeah actually you're right we weren't going to do this in the future but we're definitely going to keep doing it and we're going to yeah. keep evolving for it so that's kind of like a, a positive example that i've fit, experienced with right. a corporate brand that has participated in pride has actually done something with what they're promoting mm. but a lot of the times i know that there's someone that i remember on instagram who is i'd say is a public figure there was a trans only runway fashion event that was happening in london mm. amazing mm. um trans-led trans-inclusive all the models were trans there was an issue with the event that they were holding it at i think possibly the owner had said no actually change of plans we're not doing that so they had faced that we've got this event we've we have everything but we have nowhere to do it now right can someone help us and this person who is cis they used their their privilege they realized that actually i'm a cis person but i talk heavily about trans issues i need to pull my finger out and and try and help them as best i can Mm -hmm. and they used their power as a cis person to then go to other organisations because trans people that were holding these events Mm. weren't getting anything from them because they're trans. Right. So this person had recognised that I have a lot of privilege in this sense where I can use my power for something bigger and they Mm. won't even, they won't blink about it. What they had then discovered was they were in the room having these meetings and they were getting through to them on the phones and emails but Mm. the moment it was mentioned about trans inclusivity, gone cut off but these were also companies that were walking down the parades saying Uh, we support lgbt right and he'd done a huge like exposure basically saying that here they are name and shame is that something that you'd like to see if you do participate you have to quite visibly show your support stonewall have adopted have adopted that um they i mean when i was working at empower it was um, quite rigorous how intense it was to try and get Stonewall to, to approve us mm. for their help. They wanted to see that you had not only the budget, but you were actually going to invest in what they're telling you that you need to do to uplift the business that is going to be more inclusive. Mm. So we had to be ticking boxes. A lot of businesses that I go to and organisations and, and universities, they're like, this is something we want to do. We want to be recognised by Stonewall. I'm like, okay, what's your plan? what's your five-year plan? And they're like, yeah. what do you mean? Isn't it just like, <laughs> they just come in and say, oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No, 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 no. You have to have at least like a five-year, five to 10-year plan of how you're going to maintain mm. your, in- your inclusivity. They want to know that their name isn't just going to be attached to something and you're mm. doing nothing about it. Well, it's like when they took on the, um, the, the T in LGBT and they took on trans in, I think it was 2015, which was only very recently, but know, it's because yeah. they spent an entire year putting together a whole portfolio of what they were going to do for the next mm-hmm. seven or so years. That is the commitment you need because, as you say, when you open Pandora's box, you You've got to just do it. You've got to dive yeah. in and do that. You've got to get involved. It's true. It's not just enough to support one movement and then ignore the rest of them. No. If you support one, you support the other and you continue to make space for the people that do not feel included because that is your job as an ally. That's something I have discovered through these conversations and also a desire I've found in myself. It's not going to be easy and I'm not going to say I'm going to be perfect at it all the time because I am shallow and I am fickle and I forget things, including very important progressive movements. But 
I will try my darndest. And that is the point. And one of the ways in which we can try is pride. Big thing, big part of, of just the drag culture in general and also means a lot to the LGBTQ plus community. What, what, what do you think of pride? Like, what is your relationship with pride? I absolutely love pride. I've not been to many big ones at mm. all. Like, I've never been to Birmingham Pride, which is an absolute bummer because I was so excited for this year. Oh, yeah. The last few years, because I was so close with all the Birmingham queens before I moved here, mm. I'd be watching them all on Instagram and being like, I should be there with them. Yeah. So it was going to be my chance to go to Birmingham Pride, but unfortunately not. We'll be there next year. Yes. Um, but I've been to Canterbury Pride. That was really fun. Um, I went to that last last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cornwall Pride, which Ooh. is dead cute. I've been twice now. Yeah, I was my first Pride. It was so so adorable because it, it's so small. Yeah, but it's so cute and like everyone's there. That and everyone's so appreciative of everything as well because mm-hmm. there's no queer opportunities in Cornwall. So no. the one time there is Pride, everyone's there and it's such a lovely atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Although. The last Cornwall Pride I went to, I did have a weird experience with some, like, old queen. Apart from that, it was fine. Apart from that, can I ask what happened? Um, sure. Um, <laughs> it, looking back at it, it's quite funny. Not that funny, but also, right. it does make me giggle. Um, so I was sat with my queen friend, who is, like, a cis male queen. Mm. Um, and we were both sat on this bench, and this old, like, person comes up to us and is like, oh my God, you look amazing. You look gorgeous. I used to be a queen. I was a queen for like 30 years. I did all this work for these charities and all this. And I was like, oh my God, that's incredible. Yes, amazing. We were both there like, wow, yes. And then he stopped speaking to the two of us. Mind you, we're both sat side by side, like next to each other. Yeah. Turns straight to my queen, like Sisbel queen friend and went, you look amazing. You look beautiful. Never lose your personality. Never stop doing this. Please don't. <laughs> turned to me dead looked me dead in the eyes and just went you need to stop doing this and i was like um excuse me why and he just went to me and went because your tits are real and hers are fake and i was like excuse me ma'am who gave you the right to come up to me and tell me this like oh my god so me being me and the gracious queen i am just went of course and turned around Um, probably because I had no confidence and was very scared, but looking back at it, I probably would have bottled him. And I know that's not the good, <laughs> the best attitude to have. <laughs> like if that happened to me now, I would have went off. Yeah. But my queen friend was like, um, no, 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 no. Absolutely no, not. Don't deal with that. But looking back at it is really funny just because the way he said it, he wasn't like, I don't think you should do this. You shouldn't be doing this or whatever. It just literally went, you need to stop. I was like, oh, okay. Just, they're so aggressive as well. Like unnecessarily so. Literally, I was like, okay, mama, who gave you this right? <laughs> what is your opinion with this? Because it honestly really, really confuses me. It's like feminists not accepting trans women. Oh, and stupid. And I don't know, um, gay people not accepting bi people or um trans people not accepting queer people it's just you know they get to a point where they think yes i you know i'm very forward thinking i've done all this and this is my life this is my culture i fought for it and then somebody else needs to go that step further and they just say no like that drag queen then like what what is that why does that really really does not make sense to me like especially like 
um, tariffs like trans exclusion rad radical feminists. In no way do I understand it because it's like, if you want to be a feminist and you want to stand up for women's rights, that means you are standing up for women's rights. That encompasses right? all women, no matter cisgendered, um, transgender, non like it encompasses everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And it's also with things like that, also gay people not accepting bi people into the community, you're saying you don't accept it. But how do you know that your friend over there or the person you just spoke to at the bar, how do you know that they're not bi? How do you know that they're not trans? Like Yeah. It's very uneducated for me. Exactly. And uh, I think the, the, the thing that really, it's just genuine confusion because they have had to fight for where they are. Yeah. But they won't accept that circle expanding. It's like, we've made yeah. room for ourselves. We can't make any more room for you. Exactly. It's, it's infuriating because I feel like I'm constantly explaining to everyone that feminism is for equality. Yeah. Like, people come at me like, man-hating, men around, like, women want to be better than men. No. Yeah. No. It's so stupid. It is equality. Do you believe in equality? Then you're a feminist. And then they say, well, no, it's the... But it's like, what you're talking about there are the extremists. And the extremists aren't actually feminists because guess what? They're not looking for equality. It, a lot of it as well is it depends where people are on social media. Because mm. there's the queer side of social media that says good information and what is actually going on. Yeah. And then there's the straighty social media where it's just full of like random that someone's pulled out of somewhere yes and like, oh <laughs> yeah. my god there's now 60 genders like <laughs> no no what? where are you reading this because yeah. no queer person has written this for you if you actually think those things and you haven't bothered to educate yourself on it i'm i'm not prepared to expand myself to that knowledge so you'll yeah. just overshoot and expect much i spoke to my mum the other day now my mum is Many, many things. And I, I, I love her a lot. She's been very supportive when it comes to moving forward. She questions and she does take on what I have to say sometimes. Yeah. But she is the kind of person who will also make bold, uneducated statements just yeah. to stir up the room. You know, I, I was talking to her after yeah. the conversation I had with Kieran. And she said, she, she was sort of like understanding they. She was like trying to understand it. I was like, as well, if you look at it back in the 1800s, that's only when he and she as pronouns came about. Yeah, exactly. Be because beforehand, they was, they was the common. <laughs> they was the most well used. So, and then she said, okay, all right. So, so if we use that, fair enough. There's not going to be a fourth one, is there? There's not going to be a fifth one. I was like, no more exist. There aren't any more pronouns for you to use. So no. And it, it is just that attitude of, of, I don't know, they sort of have to make a joke out of it for it to yeah. become acceptable to them, you know? I, I think as well, when people, especially the older generation, is mm. um, when they're trying to understand it and they're like making a joke out of it, I think a lot of it is because they are suddenly presented with something that they don't understand and they're made to feel stupid and uneducated from it. So they're making a joke about it to be like, haha, um, it's not that I don't understand it, it's just that I'm making it funny. And yeah. they, they feel kind of like bad that they don't understand it, but also feel like they're being made to feel smaller. Yes. And that is uh, a lot of the ways that arguments come about with it, because yeah. there's ways of educating people that will actually educate them and make them learn and not make them feel inferior or small or stupid for not mm -hmm. knowing it. And then there's ways of educating people that is far too full on, which just makes people feel stupid and cut yeah. off and in those cases people can get defensive and retaliate about things as well and that's when it escalates and that's when it turns yeah. into a bad 
situation no it's true if someone came up to me now and was like you shouldn't do this because your tits are real and hers are fake i'd just be like well how how do you know you're making assumptions yeah you a doctor because i don't think you are where is your badge sir <laughs> show me some id <laughs> yeah. and then probably, well tell me why i can't do this give me three solid reasons why i cannot do this because you won't be able to no, no, they won't. So I mean, a pride in Cornwall, obviously, when the people come out and they come out and it's wonderful because it never happens and it is a pure celebration. Do you do you see pride more of a celebration or more as a protest or or something else entirely? Um, I see it as both. I definitely see it as both because it is definitely a celebration. But at the same time, from the moment it started, it's been a protest and it always will be a protest mm. until queer rights are exactly the same as straight cisgendered people's rights it's always going to be a protest yeah then it it also is a celebration in the sense of the carnivals and the parades and the concerts and everything like that um it's definitely a good mix of the both i think the fact that it's becoming more of a celebration rather than a protest in some ways is good because it will target more of a straight audience Mm. so they'll be exposed more to queer culture and opportunities to learn. But also it's taking away from what it is a little bit as well. Like when it's becoming too commercialized, it's like, are we forgetting what it is about? In light of everything that's happened recently, Gender Recognition Act and Black Lives Matter and and COVID itself, I suppose, as well. Do you think this year, if it had happened, if Pride had gone on, do you think it would be the same? Do you think it would be different? Do you think it would be treated differently? I think it, it would be a little a little more inclusive, a little better. There would probably be a more serious undertone to it as well. Yeah, yeah. Probably more of the um, progressive flags. It, it still definitely would have been a celebration and it, it would be the same fun it always is. Yeah. But it probably would be pressed a bit more to remember why we are there and what we yes. are doing. There'd be a lot more sort of signs. <laughs> It'd be, I, it would be a bit of a protest, to be honest with you. I think that's... Yeah intermix with everything else going on but also everyone would be going crazy because they'd actually be able to leave their house so that is a (laughs) combination of the two dragon pride why do you think that's so important like why do you think because i I mean i think of pride and i think of rainbow and i think of drag they are the two things that immediately come to mind why is it so iconic i think drag is just so important because as a queer person it's all about self-expression and Mm. identity and being yourself and drag queens are the highest form of embodiment of that ever. True. True. Drag queens are just anything and everything to a scale which is so out of this world and mind-blowing, especially to people that haven't seen it before, yeah. that it introduces this whole new way of living and this whole new form of being yourself and just how far you can push identifying as yourself and being an individual person. Like, it's just incredible it's almost like a like a beacon for pride to aim towards because that's what everyone's trying to go for in the long run it's also it's so like deep-rooted in like entertainment and joy and bringing people laughter as well but at a pride event you want to feel happy and you want to feel entertained and you want to feel inclusive so if there's this like seven foot massive monster walking around cracking some jokes being like oh come on come join the parade people are gonna be like okay absolutely i'm not gonna say no to you look at you (laughs) (laughs) I will not say no to you. Those heels can do some damage, Lee. Exactly. <sighs> there's something ar- about being around a drag queen that's yeah. 
it's just nothing, nothing else is like it. Nothing else fills me personally with so much joy. You're amazing. (laughs) I get really nervous around drag queens, which is just the silliest thing in the world because they are just oozing confidence. But I just, I'm just so, I don't know, appreciative of what they're putting out there, I guess. I suppose to me it definitely it gives off such a sense of power as well because mm. like drag queens break almost every societal role that has ever been given ever yes like yeah. every rule drag queens break every single rule all mm. of them is there anything you could recommend or not just for myself but for others to get involved and be inclusive and do do our part as well like what would you what would you say um i'd say in this climate at the minute the best way to get involved with everything is regarding like especially with the black lives matter movement and Mm -hmm. everything get involved with the petitions going on get involved get get donate if you can Mm -hmm. research about everything as much as you can there's plenty of resources online and with like trans rights as well sign as many petitions against this goddamn government as you possibly can get absolutely out here um but just continue signing petitions keep bettering yourself and learning about things because when you think you know everything about something you probably don't you can keep going and keep learning about it just just keep researching as much as you can um donate as much as you can if that's a possibility for you because i I know it's um a tough time economically for everyone at the moment so it's a hard thing to ask for but if it's something that you are blessed enough to be able to do at the minute that is perfect if you can then there's don't feel bad about it but there's always ways you can help that are free as well like sharing information sign petitions research better yourself reach out to your trans and people of color friends as well make sure they're okay Mm -hmm. just all things like that show a bit of support just show a bit of support in whichever way you can support i mean reach out to all your friends make sure they're all okay because covid19 and the lockdown has impacted everyone's mental health Mm. no matter how mentally fit and well you are in some way you'll be feeling a little bit lonely because of COVID-19 yeah. so make sure everyone's okay that's make sure it. you're friends with it because that's it what will help you exactly it will help you too if you go out and, and reach your friends it will it will come right back and you'll probably feel 10 times better as well pride is all about sharing the love spreading the love protesting with love so let's let's try and do that let's try and expand our inclusivity horizons it's always fun to go back to someone's first pride of course and with kieran where they started out and what they thought of pride in the beginning pride for you then because obviously it's an important thing for a lot of people how how has pride come into your life and how is how has it sort of helped with the activism and the public speaking side of what you do my first pride was I think it was Oxford Pride. How come you decided to go that year? I was visiting my friends and they'd said, oh, Oxford Pride's on, what, do you want to go? And I was like, mm, I don't know. Right. I don't know how I feel about that. Like large numbers and I don't know. I just, at this point, I just wasn't very confident in myself mm. in more ways than just my identity. I just wasn't a very confident person. And they said, no, let's go. And then my best friend as well, it was two of my best friends. Um, one of them, it was her and her girlfriend at the time they were like we're gonna go come with us mm-hmm. i was like yeah i'll be my best friend um jade and she also came with me i just went in with like no expectations just go in mm-hmm. and just take it all in and it was so lovely it was just, it was very chilled there, um it was there was a lot of um sort of parades going on in like the, the square that we were in it was it was really small oxford pride when i went 
probably about five or six years ago was tiny yeah to get to hear you know the public speakers to see other queer people just being unapologetically themselves I thought yeah. oh my god like they're, they're really doing that I'm like <laughs> they're, they're they're happy that was what it was like they're wearing what they want to wear and they're happy and I thought I want to yeah I, I want to do that. Who wouldn't want to do that? Yes. yes. I want to get, I want to get involved in this. Yes. And it was so liberating to watch the parade, to just see people celebrate. But I didn't have many friends at the time either. And growing up in the West Midlands, I, I found it very difficult to make connections mm. um, with people um, in the outside world that was outside of social media. Birmingham is where I want to be. Pride is where it's at to hear the public speakers again, to just see everyone get so lively. Pride then sort of became, for me, like a family event. Ones that aren't too corporate, I thoroughly enjoy. I think it has, it holds more community value. Yeah. I try to avoid London. I'm not too much of a fan of Manchester, but. Right, that's interesting. Black London Pride commented on a post of Pride of London where they had said something that included them but also Pride of London have never really included them so it was a very sort of blasé throwaway like yeah we're great post and mm-hmm. that was watch out and I was like whoa what what is this what is this tea I suppose what what is what do you mean by cool? you know about that no no idea so because it all happened very quickly and it all got swept it all kind of like the post got deleted very yeah. quickly yeah uh, what Pride in London had done was, I think they were trying to set up a fundraiser, not a fund, yeah, a f- they were trying to set up a fundraiser for um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. And what they had done was take the UK Black Pride colours yeah. and they had then used the UK Black Pride logo in one of their statements it was just an image to say this is what we're doing they were creating a a whole separate pot of money that they were then going to donate to different things the issue surrounding that is that pride in london were taking away something that had already existed so a pot was already there they could have simply said we are in support of black lives matter we would encourage you to donate to these yes. as opposed to cre- they were trying to center themselves in something yeah. that they had no right in doing and then on top of that they used a uk black prides logo mm-hmm. which they didn't approach them about right and more importantly uk black pride was set up because of the inclusivity of the pride in london parades right from what i can gather i don't think pride um yeah i don't think pride in london have allowed UK Black Pride to be involved in their parades in the past. Right. Um, I mean, UK Black Pride's been around for well over a decade. This is going back some, but the point is, is that (laughs) that long ago, now you're doing that. No, no, no. So UK Black Pride had made a a statement to say we are not affiliated with them whatsoever. Mm. Messy. Messy. Yeah. Uh, They had representatives that weren't apologising to say, no, we have done this. You're trying to make an issue out of something that isn't even an issue. And it was like, keep on digging that hole. (laughs) Yeah, literally, literally. Is that an overall issue, do you think, when it comes to, as you say, the corporate side of Pride? Do you think? I think corporate Pride, in particular, Pride in London, for me, 
over the past couple of years that I've attended mm. um, as just to observe. I mean, there was one occasion where I did actually participate when I was with um, Energy UK. It was wonderful. It was wonderful to be part of that protest, which in my head, it still is. Pride yeah. for me is always protest. And yeah, there is also room for celebration. To observe it from an outside perspective of just seeing what occurs. Pride in London is so centred around businesses Mm. just waving the flags. I know that there are maybe 70% more of the businesses that attend do not do a damn thing when it comes to queer matters. Are are they diverse and inclusive? Mm. Um, Are you hiring specifically trans, non-binary, queer people of Mm colour in your industry, in your structure? Do you have that in there? What Mm -hmm. sort of structures do you have in place that include trans people, that protect trans people? Mm -hmm. A lot of them don't have anything to fall on. They they just don't have anything. But it's more of a case of like, we want to look like we're inclusive because it's the hype. We want to get customers. And pink money sells. Mm. It does. We have a lot of power as queer people when it comes to who is getting what. And we have a lot of money to dispose of. Because yeah. once a company says, we're inclusive, we have online platforms. We'll share that. People yeah. want to know that you're, you're doing these things for, for, for the good. Yeah. But what are you actually contributing to? Nothing. That, for me, is why I personally don't... I, I wouldn't want to be part of, of London uh, Pride in London. No. Um, and I, again, I'm very hesitant to to endorse them until mm. sort things out with yeah. inclusivity and holding companies accountable. Giving something back to the London community as well. Yeah. Don't forget, like, L- Pride in London is Pride in London. It's not about Amazon. It's not about Tesco. No. It's not about any of these other businesses, however inclusive they may be. Yeah. Bring it back to the people. Find local organisations that need that publicity by being part of your parade uplift the community by investing more into them and yeah I want to see all prides incorporate that mindset more of Mm. who are we inviting and what does their sponsorship mean to us yeah is that money going into the community obviously that is a lot that I'm asking for because who's going to change that overnight at the same time put in the effort and it will change eventually exactly it's, it's one step isn't it and if you can't get the sponsorship from a big organizational company like that Mm. look somewhere else there's going to be brands out there that are going to be inclusive as you said find another way that's exactly what you've done and that's all you can expect would you say you see it more as a protest than a celebration i try to remind myself more of the fact that pride is still a protest Mm. a lot of people want to celebrate it and i don't knock them celebrate that as much as you want go hard or go home yeah there is always room for celebration, but we have to always remember why the first Pride came about. It was because of the fact that gay, lesbian and transsexual people were being murdered, mm. that we were having our rights taken away, um, that we were being imprisoned for being ourselves. It's these things that 50 years ago are still occurring today. We're moving backwards. We're seeing patterns repeat themselves So, for example, if you look at the trans movement at the moment, when you have the likes of the Gender Reform Act consultation being stopped because the government are just like, meh, do you know what? It's too complicated. I don't get it. We have better things that we can be doing. 
no. we've been fighting for this for years. It was signed off in 2018, for God's sake. And now you just want to throw yeah. your hands up and be like, no, I don't think it's that kind of behavior that was exactly the same as when gay rights were being given to us. Mm-hmm. We have to keep moving forward. We have to keep on fighting. Yeah. And pride is where it's at. Um, I find that a lot of prides, I would say since last year and as prides have now gone digital, people are being more active in the sense of reminding the viewers that we have to keep talking about these things. Yeah. We have to remind ourselves of the harsh realities that are still occurring, but also celebrate how far we've come together. Mm. Um, it's important to have both, in my opinion. We, sh- we should be celebrating it, but keep fighting a good fight fighting a good fight exactly it's de-rooted because it, you are proud of what you've done absolutely that's why it's called that in the first place i'm ready i'm ready to like tackle things i think what i would like to do in the future is help other prides just think more about inclusivity look at who they have on their boards are they predominantly white are they predominantly cis mm. um are they predominantly gay because a lot of gay men in particular have a lot of control over what goes on in prides Mm. and that has an effect on what you are Mm. then seeing i just want to make sure people are checking themselves because someone's got to be someone has to be that person that reminds you of like because otherwise it will all just carry on and you just goes doesn't it yeah yeah so i suppose when it comes to um the public seeking side of it for you obviously initiated by pride and seeing all the other wonderful people going up and getting there and now you've worked with other companies what, what do you want to do with that I suppose like where would you like to see your own personal pride protest public speaking go I for me um I I want to work with the younger generation the new generation I find that talking to people of a certain generation it it just doesn't have as great an impact mm. I feel like I'm not as listened to no whereas though that I see the younger generation as sponges like kids are sponges yes if you plant a seed and you water it and nurture it it will grow and will make with whatever that is and that can be looked at as bigotry if Mm. you plant a seed of bigotry and you nurture that they're going to grow into something that is negative Mm. we don't want that so for me I want to share my experiences of all my experiences for the younger generation to say, do you know what? Life is difficult. What you're going through right now isn't the be all and end all. Like Mm. things do get better and this is how they will get better. And this is how you can help other people be Mm. better. So that's why I would personally want to use my public speaking and my platform to engage more with, yeah, education in particular. Um, Having worked in universities, got to speak to people of like, 18 to 18 plus basically Mm. people are so switched on if you can sort Mm. of look back at the younger generations you know from birth and up until the ages of like 25 (laughs) these people are like that people are still learning people are still growing and you may almost be a fully fledged tree but you could have a branch that is sticking out somewhere else and you could just sprout off over there and you don't have to necessarily grow in one direction but that's where I want my work to go I want to change the lives of children that I know will then impact on other people start at the bud start the ripple 
and then, and then I'll just go on. Plant those nurturing seeds. Yes. I do wish I had had someone like Kieran to plant those nurturing seeds when I was younger because you know it's it's taken me till I'm 23 to really understand some of the things that they're saying and even then it's still a little bit bamboozling it's going to take me a minute to really truly catch up and not just catch up but go and do stuff myself but hey there's a point of this episode it's a slightly uncomfortable joyous celebratory protestory way forward (laughs) but as we come to the end there was confusion with the word dingbat and I'm just giving up you know on on cutting those bits out now because they're usually quite funny and um, I I feel like it's part of my natural Alice Vickery charm and and do you think I myself am a dingbat when it comes to to pride and such wait remind me what dingbat means again Okay, so like <laughs> you can think of it as like stupid. I feel like that is probably the best overall, but okay. also stupid slash silly slash eccentric. So are you a dingbat when it comes to pride? Y- yes. 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 <laughs> if you stupid, then no. I, okay. I, would, I wouldn't say We'll go stupid. by that. Okay. I, cool. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that at all. Okay. No? I, I think you're doing a great job by reaching out to queer artists and performers and getting to asking them to voice their opinions and their experiences. That is a really, really good thing. So I think that's great. I think you're doing great. Glad. Thank you. Thank you so much. And have you enjoyed it? I have. I've definitely enjoyed it. Zodi did actually go on to say that they want to start a podcast themselves. So listen, I'm, I'm helping out too. I'm carrying on the podcasting movement. But in all seriousness, it was by my end of the interview with Kieran that I sort of suddenly realised how compliant I'd been. Yes, I consider myself an ally and yes, I am part of it. And, you know, I, but really, honestly, I've only really d- dipped my toe in the water, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Like I've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race for years and, and it was, again, during the Black Lives Matter protest when somebody said, you love our culture, you don't love us. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my that's God. That's true. Like it's so true. And, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite an impressionable person. So if you make a point with me, it will hit and it will mm-hmm. stick. And I think, I think that's the same, exactly the same with this is like, yes, it'd be lovely to do a rainbow thing, but also who am I following on Instagram? What am I reading? What am I watching? What should I go and listen to? What podcast should be, you know, that's, that's, I think what I'm going to, go and do my my last question for you really do you know what a dingbat is by the way a dingbat yeah i used to get called that a lot by my family but oh my god me too. i just thought it was just like a means of being called stupid yeah essentially you're it's like, such a dingbat yeah yeah basically it's just like you're a bit of a dingbat it's what my dad calls me when i do something silly i looked it up yeah. online <laughs> and it, apparently it means it means silly or eccentric rather than stupid so i took so oh, okay. so. <laughs> oh, yeah absolutely fine <laughs> do you think i am a dingbat in regards to this um no, no? i don't think you are no okay. i think that you have listened like you you've you've been able to again throw yourself into conversations that you haven't had as you as you've said like this is all very new to you very i don't think that's silly i don't think that's eccentric like that is norm that's very much the norm so you just gotta go and have them haven't you you just gotta go and have them because that is the first step to not feeling uncomfortable is making it not an uncomfortable subject. I cannot tell you how nervous I was to speak to you. And it's not you personally. It's just having this discussion, which yep. 
because I, as I said, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. But if you are afraid and you do say the wrong thing, then you hear when it's wrong and then you change it again. Honestly, like no one's perfect. Everyone's going to say the wrong things at some point. I have, I know for a fact that I have, but Mm. I'm not perfect and I recognise that. And it's what you then do with, you know, if you have been corrected, Mm. address it and just be like, my bad. Sorry, didn't mean that. Let's move forward from that. Absolutely, Kieran. Thank you so much. I was so happy to have met you. (laughs) (laughs) It's been an absolute pleasure. I love your necklace. I've been meaning to say the entire time, your necklace is gorgeous. I get a lot of compliments on this. It's just... Um, I'm not going to say any more because I believe I've remained mostly dignified throughout this episode and I don't want to ruin it. Really, a massive thank you for Zodi and Kieran for just taking the time to not only explain their own personal experiences when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community, um, but also, also, you know, what we can do going forward and how we can help ourselves and how we can support. It's really interesting to hear things from their point of view because unless you go out and have these conversations I haven't heard these opinions before and it's been essential for me to hear them and why has it been 23 years until I've had a conversation like this I don't know but I want that to change and I'm hoping that this podcast is just a tiny step in the right direction of the overall movement so thank you to Zodi and thank you to Kieran thank you have a good week enjoy Pride share this podcast please if you enjoy it and and if you think it could help anyone in your life I mean I sat down and I've played this before I've sent it out there to my parents I sat down and and just in silence for a bloody hour and a half um, and played this to them and it was it was it's essential for probably the most sensible um emotionally understanding and and communicative conversation we've had about these issues since I've started talking to them about that it's the best conversation we've had from this podcast and that that's no that's I'm not talking about me here I'm talking about Zodi and Kieran they've really just opened up my eyes but eyes of the people who I thought weren't able to open them anymore that was a very messy metaphor but I think you know what I'm saying please rate and review and subscribe because it helps other people find me and as I said at the beginning this is an episode to listen to (sighs) thank you everyone Um, I hope you find found this episode as invigorating as I did and I hope you have a wonderful rainbow filled week and um I'll I'll see you soon Uh, yeah well I'll see you in a week as per great okay um Coming up, mm, mm, I want the world to know, get to let it show, yeah, yeah, I'm coming up. I've begun uh, uh. slipping into your space, oh, acting yeah. like an adult, at least I hope that's the case, learning to love when I'll get lucky with you, oh, stop it. just jump with me and you'll get lucky too. So did you get the many references I put in? I wanted to see if I could do some goddamn self-promotion. Ding, bad, ding, bad, ding, 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 bad, ding, bad, ding, ding, ding. Get lost in how to hike it. Ding, bad, ding, bad, ding. <laughs> ding. <laughs>